Uh, you may turn in your Bibles to 1 John. We are going through this beautiful letter, very wonderfully packed with truth. Letter written by Paul, sorry, written by the Apostle John uh, to the people who is, he was most likely very instrumental in pastoring, maybe even some of their conversions. And he uh, writes this letter. As I told you, we encourage you to read through this. It's not difficult. I timed it three times now. It takes 17 minutes and 24 seconds to read through all 105 verses at slow dictation speed. Okay? So it actually is a, a, a wonderful letter. But as far as preaching from it, it has some real challenges because of the way he moves from one subject to the next. And then he gets three or four steps over here, reaches back to this one and connects it. So I think, you know, this is, the organization of this is somewhat mystifying. And I was pondering this and I was wondering, what is this like? What's going on here? And I think this is more like a composition of music, you know, by one of the composers, Bach or Tchaikovsky or Beethoven. Movements and themes come in and out like that. So I don't know if that's helpful, but it just occurred to me when I was thinking about it. Uh, so if you are able, and if you so desire, please stand for the reading of God's word. We will begin reading. And before we do, let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for your precious word. We are very aware, Lord, that we come here to hear from you. Speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit from your word. We want to honor you and your word and be very respectful and responsive to what you might want to teach us so that we can allow you to change us day by day, step by step, to more be more like the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Savior, who's this day seated at your right hand interceding for us and we thank you open up your word give us lord ears to hear uh, hearts that are open and receptive we clearly admit lord our need to to be fed you've told us we shouldn't just live on bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god so we ask for that we want to say we're hungry for that. And we pray these things in the name of our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, 
Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message that this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. My little children. I'm writing, writing these things to you. So that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ. The righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. There's a lot in these verses that I just read, and a, a preacher would be a fool to try to cover everything. So I'm going to try only one thing. Since in the introductory statement, he says, this is the message of life. I think he's concerned to, to let us know that eternal life that he's talking about is not just common life that we all have because we're not dead. And he wants to tell us about it, that it's um, fellowship. 
Now, first, before we get into that and how this is going to be a message about one thing, the books about preaching that I read say a message is about one thing. So you can throw stones at me and take me out and stone me if I have like three things or something. But I know I'm really trying to just do that so that something I, we see or hear or think about actually is beneficial in our lives living in a world the sad world, very broken by sin a great deal. But it's a message which we're told here to meaning to produce joy. It's a positive message. It is full of grace. It is full of the work and person of Christ who's here. He came to save his people from their sins. Amen? So it's a positive message. But you say, boy, he's certainly abrupt in here. Yeah, he is. He uses some really strong language. You know, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. You murder, you're a murderer. We go, no. I hate him, but, you know, he deserves hatred. You know, but no. So I want something that's really useful and helpful in our ongoing walk of following Christ, wanting to be changed day by day, to be more like him. But I will say that John the Apostle is most likely old at the time that he writes this letter. Because I don't think it was very many days and then he wrote 2 John and 3 John, and he starts it with the elder. He calls himself the elder. He's old, like me. He's old. Maybe even older, you know. And uh, he has, he's talking in a sense, in a very pastoral way in this letter. Have you noticed how many times he says, my dear children. Another word he has is, my beloved. There's actually two Greek words for children that he uses. One is like little babies, you know. And so you think, why is he talking like this for crying out loud? He knows that among the leaders that are going to hear this letter read in their church and their villages passed around, some of them are going to be newborn again babies in Christ. And they, they're a little bit wobbly. Some of them haven't learned to walk all that well. You have to kind of hold them by the hand. Others are going to be like young men. They're, they are, they're, some, they're not novices. They've been through some rough times. You've overcome the evil one, he said. And some of them he calls fathers, which means they've been walking with God, with Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, more years than the others. There is a spread so he's trying to write a letter that some use to all of them. Amen? Amen? Now, actually, there are times when us, we uh, may have known the Lord a long time, but we're sometimes guilty of being a little bit like children. And we have to go back and say, I better learn some of these basics all over again. So I'm, I don't know about you. I made this, this sort of message here because uh, of where I struggle. You say, do you struggle? Yes. Do you have problems with sin? Yes. And it's not one of those safe sins. What is, what's your besetting sin? You know, oh, I just don't write enough. Thank you, don't, you know. No, I'm guilty of lust. I'm guilty of lying. I'm guilty of laziness. I'm guilty of fear. I'm guilty of unbelief. All of the above and then whole bunch more 
So this particular pastoral letter is very useful to me. None of it is, yeah, 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 got that, yeah, yeah, turn the page, yeah, yeah. No, it feels like, ah, kind of like going to the dentist. This won't hurt much. So, um, but, it, but then John is writing this way. How many times does he remind them in his writing, I am writing to you, my dear children. I am writing to you, young men. I am writing to you because of those who are trying to deceive you. I'm writing to you so you may not sin. He says that a lot. So whatever he's saying, he wants to go on written record. So if they forget it in a week, which they will, they can go back and read it again. My goodness, it's written down. Huh, he did say that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, he did. You know, so they could kind of prove it. And you know what? We also need to take advantage of a written record. Our faith is based on the truthfulness and the reliability of an ancient written record inspired by God the Holy Spirit and delivered and proclaimed to us. Amen? It isn't what we read on in the, on the computer or heard on television set. It's what God tells us in his word about who he is and what he's like and what we need, even if we don't know what we need. He does. Well, how do you know that, Neil? Because the Bible happens to say right here, he knows all things. There is nothing that he doesn't know. Do you remember where it all started? Back in the Garden of Eden? Where are you? Oh, I hid. We've been hiding ever since. Cain. There are two brothers, Cain and Abel. How many of you remember them? They offered an offering. God accepted one with favor, the other one he did not, because maybe you could see down into Cain's heart, it was kind of not really good. And so Cain gets really angry at his brother Abel. And uh, God knows that, because he knows everything. He says, Cain, he warns Cain. If you do well, will there not be a lifting up? But if you don't, watch out, because sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. Bah! You know, like that. And you must master it. So, did Cain listen well? No. So God comes around and he says to Cain, Cain, where's your brother? This is very interesting. He says, he did, it was a very direct question. It's not a complicated question. It isn't a multiple choice question. He just says, where's your brother? And so what does Cain do? He doesn't answer the question. He says, ah, am I my brother's keeper? Now that is the stupidest thing he could have said, but that's what he said. And God says, uh, you killed your brother. The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground. It's opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So you, none of us get away with anything, Right? If we don't have atonement through Christ, through this shed blood that we read about, 
We're all done. We are all condemned. The wages of sin is Now, may I just say that I've noticed there are at least six times in here where he uses a phrase, and you probably noticed it, and I probably should have asked you to pay attention when I was reading, but I forgot that part, that he says, if we say, how many of you have noticed that there are six, at least six of those, and it's a form of a formula. If we say this, but if we do this, horse feathers. It's wrong. You're, that, you're lying. That's not true, right? So he goes through the six of these. They say, why is he doing that? If we say we have fellowship with him, hands up all of you who like fellowship with him, yeah, but walk in darkness, we lie. And then there's another statement. We lie and, then what does it say after the and? Do not practice the truth. In Greek it is, we do not do truth. We lie, and, there's, and then when it goes on to the second time, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sin, we make him a liar, and his truth is not in us. If we, whoever says, I know him, but doesn't keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? Yes, so we won't sin. Correct. Because I think what he senses here, now I'm guessing, because he didn't you know, write a commentary about it after he wrote it. He just gave it to us and said, go, have, have a, go at it. You know. I think he's aware that there is false teaching afoot there's a lot of wrong-headed thinking about sin and Christ and our walk. He's trying to correct it. Now, if you take the whole picture, and here's what I'm trying to say is, Christianity, spirituality, righteousness is easily counterfeited. You pin people masquerade as being very good people. But if we required all of us to submit to an injection of truth serum when we walk in one of these three doors or four doors and we ask questions, did you sin this last week? Yes, right? Because he knows all things anyway, doesn't he? So he's saying that it is possible to posture and feign Christ-likeness or godliness or righteousness or being a holy person other than a wicked person, because nobody wants to be a wicked person, right? We all would like people to think more highly of us than maybe they, if they knew everything, they wouldn't like. You know, a couple, three, four years ago, whenever it was, 10, 20 years ago, a guy, uh, a Catholic priest named John Powell, wrote a very excellent little book called Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? And the whole book has reduced to this one statement. If you knew who I was, really, you wouldn't like me. And I can't stand the fact that you might not like me, so I'm not going to tell you who I am, right? What's going on here is John is aware of these tendencies in humanity. Because all of humanity 
has been impacted negatively by sin. It, we are a broken species on the planet, and he knows it. By one man, we are told, sin entered into the world, and through sin, death by sin, and so, death, and so sin passed upon all men. All have sinned. All have sinned. Death, everybody dies. A dear brother just asked me yesterday, he said, does everybody die? Because it says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment. What happens when we all get raptured? Some of us don't die. I said, yeah, he's just saying as a human being, the human race is men die, right? Correct? Very few of us escape that. There have been exceptions. Elijah just went up, you know, like that. Or Enoch, perhaps. Even the Lord Jesus Christ died. But he died so he would conquer death. All right. I want just to say that when I look at these six, if he says this but does this, then that's not true. You're a lie and there's no truth in you. You could say in some of these that the problem is deceit. This person is just trying to uh, fool everybody that he's better than he is, right? Of course, none of us have ever done that, right? But there's another part in here that, and I'm guessing a little bit on this one, where it says the truth is not in us. But one of the, the, the clue is, we deceive ourselves. Sometimes, and we are told in the scriptures that not only is sin, like one of the sins, deceit, it says sin itself is deceptive. And its deception is, you're not sinning. This is okay, right? One time a guy came to the executive committee of Ukarampa and he was doing the devotions and he had looked up in Oxford English Dictionary, where's Giles? An Oxford proper, unabridged dictionary. An Oxford English Dictionary definition of rationalizations. And as he had it written out so he could get it right, he said, a rationalization are all the plausible reasons that people give for their actions and their attitudes and their words and their values, which are not the real ones. But they're plausible. People could believe them. David Smith and I were having a sandwich over at Jimmy John's this last Monday, I think. <laughs> and they have lots of sayings on the wall. I hope. I wonder if you've noticed that. One there by the table, it was by Abraham Lincoln. It says, you can fool all the people some Sorry, you can please some of the people all the time. And you can please uh, all the people some of the time. And you can please some of the people some of the time. But you can't please all the people all of the time, right? You know, I slipped and said fool there instead of please. How often can we fool God. How often we can, can we fool ourselves? <laughs> so, I'm going to just say, I'm going to suggest something here. That the answer to all of our struggles 
with these things, there are three things that I'm going to just try to focus. There's more, there's six, but I'm just, you can conflate the two sin ones into one. The first one is sort of an introduction, it's more metaphoric. But I'm going to just say there are three things here. The first one says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And they say, well, that's good. What, what does it mean? If we say we have fellowship with him by while we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. Well, what does that mean? Walking in darkness means walking in evil, but it also means walking in ignorance. Ignorance. You haven't paid attention. Did you read the manual before you put this together? No. Well, that's why you got it all backwards here. Darkness is where God is not, because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So it's saying something here, that you can say, I have fellowship with him, while you walk in darkness. He said, that's not possible. It's not true. It's a lie. And there's no truth in it and in you. And you can say, okay, that's, that's a metaphor. Any help? Somewhat, for some reason, and maybe he knows the human condition better than we know it ourselves, the first thing he rolls out is sin. Well, it's not a very long word, just three letters, sin, sin. Do you notice that in the structure? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow, we were going along, it was so great. Man, it was good. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Right, great. Then it says, why does he put it here? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Notice he says we here. He doesn't say all oh, those guys. He does say we, right? Because I think there's a lot of notions about spirituality. Like a person who would say, well, I'm a Christian. I just don't, I don't like church. I don't come to church. I, church, you know, all those rules and all that stuff. There's nothing in the Bible about being a Christian that doesn't involve that. Coming together as the body of Christ. The assembly. As a matter of fact, the key is right here on this page. And I want to say this in a way that, that is in some way clear. Notice walking in the light and this life that is called eternal life says, and we're saying these things to you, so you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You don't divisect this thing and say, this is my life in God, and every now and then I have fellowship. You know, like pour the coffee, get the good cookies out, and we're having fellowship. No, that's not the Bible's definition of fellowship. Fellowship with God and with each other is 24-7. It's 100% of the time. 
Fellowship is our shared life. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's no surprise that the first thing that he rolls out is sin. What does that suggest? That often and often sin destroys, damages, has a negative impact upon fellowship, right? With God and with each other. Say, Neil, can you give us some uh, kind of a little illustration here? Yeah, from my own life. Sin, I'm good at it. Confession, I'm not as good. But one time we were working and we were trying to teach people. We had developed this alphabet so their language could be written down. And we're trying to get people to read. And, and one of my best buddies was Aoyamiyadi. His real name is Sosadiapi, but everybody's somebody's father. So he's Aoyami, my daughter. Heather's girlfriend, uh, her, her dad was a polio victim from, from the waist down. He was very, very weak. From the waist up, he was very strong. Walked with a stick all the time. He was one of my very best friends. So while, you know, we hear people read there around the Bible, in the Bible house around the table, and uh, some of them don't read so well. That just happens to be a fact of life, right? And I was kind of giving him an old American pep talk, you know. And, uh, you know, I would just work at it, you know, read it more. Going to read in church, make sure you get it right, and so on like that. I come one morning. There's icicles. This is the tropics. There's icicles hanging on the air. And uh, I come in, and guys are seated around this round table, and Aoyamayeta comes in, leans his stick in the corner. See, I'm really dense. I need to tell people. They need to tell me what's going on most of the time. And they're all going. So I look at Aoyamayeta and I say, is there something wrong? Huh? You struck me with words. Now that's a serious offense in photo culture. You struck me. These, these men are fighters, you know, they're warriors. You struck me with words. Boom. And this is one of my best friends in the whole village. And I said, when, what, tell me what's going on. He said, you said I couldn't read. Now, he is the oldest man that I know of that learned to read. Most people that age didn't. He wanted to read so much. He was so keen on wanting to learn to read. When we were at Ukarumpa one time, maybe even when we were on furlough, he went into the Bible house, found my desk, and slept under my desk, thinking some of the power of reading will get into me if I sleep under this desk, on this floor, in this dirt on this floor. He learned to read. And those birds, morning, noon, and night, block, 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 block. So a bunch of guys wanted to raise chickens, so we arranged so some little, little chickens could be brought in, and these guys could have some chickens. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't want to raise chickens, so I said, here, you take these six chickens, and half will be yours, half mine. So you just go ahead, and I'm going to pay the price. Well, those birds, they're all morning, noon, and night, and... There was a third thing. I finally, I just broke. 
I put my head down and I just started to weep. Here's the guy I love the most. And I've struck him with words and he's hurt. He's hurt. Do I hear him get up? Get his stick, walk around the table. And he puts his arms around me and he says, kind of essentially, rough translation here, yes, you blew it. <laughs> but we love you anyway. <laughs> and the fellowship was restored. There could be healing. All of us make mistakes sometimes, right? One of the golden keys is right here, the one that rolls out first. I'm looking at the clock because I'm a novice at this. And I want to say that there are three things here. One is the confession of sin, dealing with sin, realizing that all that we need all of the dirty work has already been accomplished by our Lord Jesus Christ for us. We have an advocate with the Father. You know, I wonder sometimes you know, if the advocacy channel up there in heaven with Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father, taking uh, problems when Satan throws it all up there, hey, he sinned again, there's Neil, he sinned again. My goodness, he's a hopeless case, you know. Because down here on the earth where we live, if you call, they say, we're having an enormous amount of traffic right now, and all of our lines are busy. And I think, it's a good thing that God is infinite, because the advocacy line must be very busy for us, right? <laughs> but he never puts us on hold. He never says, sorry, that was a drop call. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's on the job. Is that right or wrong? Because he said, I shed my blood for that hopeless stinker down there. And you've got to forgive him because I paid the price. Right? It says, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. So there's no shortage involved here. He said, by this we know that we have come to know him. Another favorite phrase you're going to run into many times is the phrase, by this we know, by this we know, by this we know. Because this pastor, the Apostle John, he wants to reassure the believers in these villages of the fact that they are included in the family of God. All of their sins are forgiven. They're on their way to heaven. Christ, this God, yes, he was killed, but he's alive forevermore. We read about that in Revelation. I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's this deal. It says a way we come to know if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You say, well, what's that doing there? Well, we already read that God is light. He sheds light on the light. He made the world. He made human beings. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth, he understands perfectly. And he says, I know how life is supposed to work. Why don't you read 
the owner's manual. Because if you do, you will find those things that please him. You'll find those things that are his will, and everything will work better. You'll be walking in the light. But if you neglect the reading and study of God's word, you're a fool because you're going to starve to death. Man does not live on bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We must have our uh, desire to master this word in order to live in the light. That's where the light is. Thy word is a lamp and a light. The third one, this gets us all. You know, and this, confess our sins, live in the light, know the truth, uh, be in compliance with the commandments. You won't even know whether you are or aren't unless you know what they are. I remember going into the dentist's office and it says, uh, Dr. James Decker, and somebody had asked him, which teeth should I floss? And he says, only the ones you want to keep. <laughs> which commandment is important? Well, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and shall love your neighbors yourself. That sums it up. But to find out what living in God's love and loving him with all your heart, soul, you've got to keep reading the owner's manual. It's there on purpose. This third one. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Notice that part about sins is in there. For our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. If you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Because if you can't love your brother whom you have seen, how in the world can you love God whom you have not seen? These two things are inseparably tied to each other. So you might say, okay, authentic Christianity and real fellowship is at least, there are three things that John has given us that help us. One, to walk in the light means, you know, when you do wrong, and if you know enough about it to know that you have done wrong, you confess your sins, make it right. Number two, if you want to walk in the light and have fellowship, you got to know what God says is the pattern of life that pleases him in this world. You can't do that. You can't just plug some kind of wire in there. No, you got to study it. You have to go and listen to his voice. Listen for his voice. My sheep know my voice and they follow me, Jesus said. And I give them eternal life. What's the third one? If God so loved us, and we're all a bunch of stinkers, right? And we're not particularly lovable. He says, we ought to love one another. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from us. He's the source. He's that light source that will give us love. Some people in this world are not particularly easy to love. Have you noticed that? 
The Bible even says, love your enemies. Jesus says that, right? You know, you've heard it said, love the Lord thy like God, but hate your enemies. I'm going to tell you, love your enemies. So I don't want to. I don't like them. I didn't ask you to like them. I asked you to love them, right? Like my brother asked me last week, well, then who's my brother? Because there's a lot about brothers here. In this context, the brothers are Christians, right? Right? Say right, that's right. However, a lot of people aren't brothers and sisters yet. So treat them like dirt, right? No. We should, we should have the fragrance of life about us. A fragrance of Christ who poured out his blood to redeem men and women and boys and girls from every tribe and language on the globe. That's in us, abiding in God. His fragrance ought to permeate us. You know, if you eat four garlics a day, pretty soon everybody knows you've eaten four garlics a day. But you walk in the light, you're going to start to radiate the, the glory and grace and humility and goodness of God. It's not us. It's uh, walking. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, they give my, go to the Bible bookstore and you get a, a cross or a little verse uh, from Psalm 23 or something for children. And they... And it glows in the dark. And he said, play with the thing. And I put it up next to the light bulb. And then turn off the light. And then, it's real bright. Right? Same is true with us. Let's pray. Father, we know that all of this indicts us. But it also encourages us. Because, Lord Jesus, all that we need for life and godliness, you are amply providing Help us to know, Lord, the real fellowship, the real life that you have made our inheritance in Christ. Teach us, Lord, to love each other deeply, fully, sincerely, authentically. Maybe be filled with this joy that we read about in this verse 4, that it might be full and complete and perfected. We know that can only come from you and we ask for that, that we would walk in the light and we would love each other and have fellowship with each other and bind us together, Lord, in, in the bonds of love that you have forged yourself. We give you thanks in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.